Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Human Rights, brought to you by the Standing Committee of Human Rights and Peace from IFMSA Groningen. This episode is dedicated to National Safe Motherhood Day, which was on the 11th of April. Would you like to start with an introduction on safe motherhood? Yes. So just so we're all on the same page here, when we're talking about safe motherhood, we're talking about all kinds of activities, programs, campaigns, and any other types of um, communication that are purposely designed to provide mothers with relevant information to guide them before pregnancy, also during pregnancy and after childbirth in order to ensure the safety of both the mother and the child. Um, And they are all clinical activities and programs which are targeted to reduce the maternal and child morbidity and mortality in society. And once again, when we're referring to maternal mortality, we are talking about the deaths due to complications from pregnancy or childbirth. So basically, safe motherhood constitutes a very wide range of things that are all done in order to make having a kid, being pregnant, and giving birth safer for the mother. Yeah, and it's also extremely important for building a healthier society because a healthy mother will essentially bring a healthy child, a healthy adult, and so on. Because through making sure that mothers can give birth safely, we also make sure that they can bring healthier children into this world, which then in turn is also an aspect of safe motherhood and maternal health, is that the capability is to feed their children and raise healthy children, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, so ba- so from that, what I see is that safe motherhood is a vital aspect of public health as well because it seeps into every part of healthcare and the health of a society. And that's also what we see a lot is that maternal health and maternal morbidity is a very good reflection of the qu- not only the quality but also the access to healthcare that exists throughout all kinds of countries, be it low-income countries, middle-income countries, or high-income countries. And I find it super interesting that even within those ranges, between different high-income countries, there's a huge disparity. For example, in the U.S., where healthcare spending is off the charts and spends the most out of any developed nation, they also have a huge, huge maternal mortality, um, which is absolutely not what you would expect. Yeah, and it's interesting to see all the reasons behind this, where because you don't accept, you don't expect a country with such high um, that's so developed compared to other countries to have such a high mortality maternal mortality rate Um, and the the problem from where it all starts is um, that there is just a relative undersupply between like what they're giving the money to essentially Um, and there's also also a great inequality um, like within the healthcare system itself Um, yeah, essentially. So it's a problem of resource distribution and yeah, how exactly. that's used and the yeah. access that is. Yeah. So I, I think in our research we found that, what is the exact number? I think in black maternal mortality is 43 mothers will die per 100,000 yeah. live births. Yeah. And this is f- three times the national mor- m- uh, maternal mortality rate in the U.S. And I find that insane. Yeah. And I think that's very reflective of the way the U.S. deals with its ethnic minorities and with black Americans especially is there's a huge under-investment and under-focus of care on, on these communities. 
Yeah, so our research showed that black and Hispanic women have a substantially higher prevalence than white women of the most common risk factors that put women at risk of uh, severe maternal mortality, and that is bleeding disorders, diabetes, and heart disease. And when you hear that, maybe you think, okay, the fact that they have uh, um, a higher chance of having these risk factors and this, is, this leads to maternal morta mortality, maybe it's a racial thing, but the thing is, it goes deeper than that. I think that disorders such as bleeding disorders, diabetes, and heart disease are misdiagnosed in these specific racial groups. Underdiagnosed? Underdiagnosed. Okay. So, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that... Um, wait, let me formulate it. Formulate it. Because basically, we've seen here, our research showed that black and Hispanic women have a substantially higher prevalence than white women of the most common risk factors that, pu that put women at risk mm. of severe maternal mortality. And that is bleeding disorders, diabetes, and heart disease. Okay. But it's not a racial thing that these uh, risk factors are higher. Mm -hmm. It's an underdiagnosis matter. So these specific uh, racial groups are underdiagnosed in hospitals. But and this leads to them having higher prevalence of these diseases and higher uh, mort maternal mortality. You're saying when these women are not pregnant, there's an underdiagnosing of diseases. Either such pregnant as or, non or not pregnant. Okay, then I don't quite get your correlation because if they're underdiagnosed, wouldn't there be less risk factors? Or what exactly do you mean with that? No, there are more risk factors. I think maybe you're talking about access to healthcare because if they are not, if they don't have access to healthcare, um, or they are not provided with healthcare, then they are underdiagnosed because they are not going to the hospital in the first place, or they're not coming in contact with the doctor in the first place, and yeah. I think it's also, s or go ahead. It could either be ac um, it could either be reduced or decreased access to healthcare, or it could be the either be that they do have access to healthcare, but because of the racial disparities in the hospital, mm -hmm. or the racial the discrimination and the behavior from the doctors, they're underdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a combination of that. And also when you look at how certain communities in the U.S. live and the kind of, I mean, the wealth inequity in the United States is incredibly wide. You have people living almost below the poverty line and you have the richest people in the world. And what we see a lot is that these black and Hispanic communities, they're very often severely underfunded. There's very little money. There's very little investment in public health. And what that leads to is no good quality of nutrition, which leads to things such as diabetes and cardiovascular disease, but also just a general underserving to the community of awareness programs and things like that. And that ties back into the concept of safe motherhood, because if there's a lack of investment or a lack of care, then you know the consequences will be more severe. And I think that's a big factor as to why we see this almost triple as high mortality ratio mortality rate in black american women yeah i think the point that you mentioned about the huge gap between the very uh, rich people and then the very poor people i think that i feel like that's very important for people to to understand and wrap their head around because in the media what we see is something totally different than what is actually happening and if you don't know where the problem is you can also not act and not 
you know, be inspired to help and mm. all that. Yeah, it's always just an important fact to remember and remind yourself of. Universal healthcare is not a thing in the United States. If you don't have insurance and you can't afford it, you don't have access to healthcare. Also, a very important thing I think we should mention is that in the U.S. there is no paid maternal parental leave, which I don't. Know, I feel is absurd. I I don't understand how the mothers do it. Um, yeah, just a fun fact, which is not that fun. Yeah, and what we see internationally as well as things like maternal care in this is considered basic human rights. It is considered the right to a mother to take the time, especially postpartum, right after giving birth, to, you know, bond with the baby and recover from the trauma. I- trauma, yeah, the trauma, the intense experience that birth is and just is a further yeah, discrepancy we see in the United States about how it treats its women, its mothers, and everything in between, you know? And safe motherhood doesn't it concern just the, ri- the human rights of the mother, but also in extent the human rights of the child and the kid. Mm-hmm. So it goes further than that, and it's about um, guaranteeing the rights of the next generation, basically, mm-hmm. even before they're born. On a health, um, like on the on the health side as well, uh, is those first days, those first months are extremely important for the baby, also for the mother to recover, like you said, but also for the baby to to grow and develop. And when those days are not, how do I say this? Respected. Th- yeah, they're not respected, then this causes f- uh, future problems in the health of the child, of the infant as a child, as an adolescent, as an adult. And that just... It further makes the like the health of the entire society worse. Yeah, absolutely. To put that a little bit into perspective for people who aren't familiar with medical <laughs> education, as we are I- in the first thousand days of life, a baby develops. But even beyond that, I believe in the first two months, eight months, something like that, is the time in which a baby's brain develops. And it matures until the age of 25. But if there's not the needed nutrition, the needed support in those first, in that first year especially, you see huge increases in things like the rates of obesity and diabetes and all these things, as well as potential mental illnesses and, and brain diseases that can exist. So it's, yeah, that time is incredibly important for a newborn. And I think what Katarina said is very the right to su- ensure that the next generation is healthy and has their human rights respected. If that's not respected, then it creates this cycle where every generation only gets worse. I just want to emphasize a little bit on the racial disparities when it comes to maternal monta- mortality and ma- maternal health. And just say that it's very important that we discuss this between us now and... It's important, I think, for our listeners also because we are medical students, or the majority probably is, and most of you will go <coughs> to the field of obstetrics and gynecology and maybe tropical medicine. And it is very important to know the numbers and the facts and to know that there are great uh, discrepancies between younger black mothers or white mothers or Hispanic or mothers from different descents, anyways. 
and maybe some will become academic doctors and there is a need for further research and interventions that target these discrepancies so they can be minimized and reduced. So I think it's very important that we're sharing this and we're talking about it. Absolutely. And all these things is, is I mean, it's again a big reason why we do this podcast, right? To educate ourselves so that we can be become aware of our own biases and so we don't carry those with us into the field of or the practice of medicine, but also hopefully to educate you, the listener, and that you learn something here and can carry that into your daily life and, you know, use that and have that guide you and help you to further knowledge and further uh, research. Another really important aspect to talk about, which also ties into safe motherhood and maternal health, is family planning, is the ability of a woman to be able to plan when she wants to have children. And this entails all things like contraceptives or reproductive health or abortion. And that brings us on to the topic of abortion because it's a huge topic of discussion nowadays, which to me seems quite simple. A woman should have the right to choose and a woman should have the right to do what she wants to with her body. A lot of people seem to not think this, but um, yeah. What have we looked into, Katarina? So, especially in the last couple of years, there is a trend in the US <laughs> to impose abortion bans. And the first one, well, it all started kind of with Texas, that as of September 1st, 2021, abortion is illegal in Texas once a fetal heartbeat can be detected. And this may be as early as six weeks into a woman's pregnancy. Um, or about two weeks after a missed period and most women don't even know that they're pregnant at this point and this is the strictest uh, strictest abortion law in the united states states that is currently in force to put that a little bit into perspective texas has a population of 30 million people and let's say that half are women and i don't know how what percentage is in the reproductive age, but you can imagine the number of women th- of women that are influenced by this abortion ban. And a little more information on the several ab- abortion bans in the US. So Idaho passed a new abortion ban, uh, which now restricts abortions once the fetal cardiac activity has been de- detected. And the shocking part is that, which is again around six weeks, And the shocking part is that it allows family members of the fetus to bring legal action against the medical provider who performs the abortion. And I think that this is pretty dangerous because once you ban abortions, first of all, once you make abortions illegal, they're not going to stop. It's just that women are going to travel. They're going to either have an unsafe abortion or they're going to travel somewhere else to have an abortion. But the thing is that when you impose... Um, it's what we find well on health professionals. It goes even further because mm. then you really mess up with the the um, doctor patient relationship. Yeah, and what we see as well worldwide, around ninety nine point nine percent of the deaths or complications that occur due to abortion are due to safe uh, unsafe abortions, illegal unsafe abortions. So what happens by banning abortion? It's not that. Abortions will stop happening. There will always be a need for it, but they just go underground. They become shadier, and it can have a very severe impact on the women's health. 
Yeah, actually, the the WHO came up with a number, and it's 23,000 women which die from unsafe abortions each year. And um, it's just a lack of resources, lack of trust. Like you said, the the doctor-patient relationship, it's, it's all messed up. And this has also a huge impact on society as a whole because the right to have an abortion is actually a human right and the right to a, a, a safe abortion and a legal abortion is a fundamental human right legally um and it belongs to a constellation of rights including the li- the rights to life liberty privacy equality non-discrimination and also the freedom from cruel inhumane and degrading treatment The legal status of abortion indicates more than just where women and girls are legally permitted to decide whether to term a a pregnancy or not. It reveals how likely a woman is to die from unsafe abortion, whether girls will complete their education, and uh, the limits on women's rights and abilities to participate in public and political life. So it goes... It goes to a huge extent and it affects more than one... um, sectors of society and it ties back into the safe motherhood aspect right it exactly the less self-decision and chances that women have to make these decisions for themselves the more they're impacted the more they cannot participate in society because of these situations which lead them to be in having children when they're not in a state of mental societal financial well-being What it leads to is it also impacts the next generation of children to not being able to thrive and reach their full potential due to what we talked about earlier in the episode with how important these early developmental moments in life really are and how this sets the kid up to then become a member of society and a healthy member of society at that. Yeah, and just to put this into perspective and see exactly how many of the women are affected and their future children and their future families are affected, we're talking about 59% of women are able to have legal and safe abortions. However, 41%, that's a little less than half the women of the reproductive age over the, the entire whole, world. Yeah, over the entire world. These are um, countries like Honduras, Nicaragua, and then in Africa... Um, Senegal, Sierra Leone, Madagascar, Egypt, Iraq, then in Asia, Laos, the Philippines, other countries as well. They're all affected because abortion is not legal. Um, and yeah, this accounts to, this impacts around 70 million women over the whole world. And that's too big of a number. Yeah. 700 million. 700 million women. You said 70. I meant 700 million. <laughs> <laughs> 700 it's million. Humongous number. It's a um, humongous amount of people yeah. who have their livelihoods and their entire lives upended and destroyed by an unwanted pregnancy. Yeah. Especially because they can't, they miss the opportunity to direct the course of their own life, so it has huge effects to society also. No. Just everything we've been talking about ties so much into each other maternal health is a a topic that has so many corners and so many aspects that need to be considered and it all ties into each other and it's all the fundamental right of a woman and her right to choose her right to decide her right to be informed to have access to information and 
all of this stuff it's it's so undervalued in society these days the, the patriarchal structure of the way that most of our countries and societies are set up lead to this happening but it's, it's for me it's mind-boggling still i don't know yeah i think for all of us um quite a lot and it's also it's very difficult to keep abortion legal and um keep safe abortion legal because there are two sides it's not like there's a third side a fourth side something where you can kind of find some common ground it's this two opposite sides fighting in a sense i'm doing like quotations right now but fighting against each other to see who's right and they have completely opposing opinions on the same topic which it's almost um yeah almost incapable of agreeing on no. one one common thing and for me what i find the most disgusting thing about all of this is that th that division you're talking about and how heavily politicized this topic is it's not because okay, not as a generalization generalization and i don't know for sure but a lot of the politicians that use abortion as a as a point on their agenda as the fact that they are against it they only use it for the political support that it gets you they don't care really care yeah. but they know that a lot of people have this mentality towards it and so they drive the topic drive it into the ground and really create this huge division where people don't listen to each other anymore and there's no common consensus and there's no common discourse yeah what i also found find extremely annoying i will say um as a woman i don't know if you feel the same but the fact that so many men have such strong opinions like of course i respect um, of another man's opinion but when they when they um start making like laws and pushing them onto women about their own bodies regarding something that they will never go through they will never understand how devastating it can be they never know how devastating going through any that any of these things could be they can be so strong-minded about it and push women so much i just yeah i find it uh, disgusting <laughs> yeah i completely agree and when i was researching this stuff i kept reading oh senator blah 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 signed this abortion ban and senator this and, and they were all men they were all men and they were like yeah we're pro-life we believe that this is the correct thing to do but i didn't read about a single woman that actually had a say in the bans or in the abortion bans or the laws or any of this any of these like things so it's absolutely crazy it's unfair and it should change and then we go back like to this thing that, that i think we were talking about in our previous episode that we need more women in leadership we need more women in those higher positions having a say in the laws like we need like representation in this part so yeah it's very interesting that we started from safe motherhood and this topic like what you said before but mm. unraveling it and looking at it from the point of view of human rights it affects so many aspects yeah. and it's so interesting that talking about this aspect you just find out little by little where every society lacks or what we could do better and yeah. what we should improve and how something that i don't know for example safe motherhood because someone can hear it and it could be a 20-year-old and she would be like, oh, it doesn't concern me because I'm not a mother now. Mm -hmm. But it concerns you to a, a huge extent because it affects so many other sectors of your yeah. life. Absolutely. It ties into everything. And it's, it's also, yeah, that's one of the things I find 
I love about these podcasts is we get into this topic and as the conversation moves on, you realize all these connections that actually exist between these different topics that we talk about. And yeah. And that's why we do this as well. So for us, we can figure out what are things in society that we think are wrong and that we, to whatever capacity that we can, how we can try to bring a change about that, you know, or help, help with that. And yeah. Yeah, and uh, specifically safe motherhood, I feel, is something that concerns everyone, whether you're a woman or not. Even if you're a man, maybe your future wife, she maybe you want to have a family someday. That's also important. Your kids in the future, your friends. I, I feel like it concerns everyone. And um, yeah. Yeah. We talked about the major impact that these different aspects have the society and you are part of the same society so it will have an effect on you either you want it or not so it is something that you should fight for in whatever class or like race or f- a gender you belong to absolutely and just to end things off you wanted to clarify one of the things we talked about earlier in the episode or as far as i understood it i'll summarize it um So when we were talking about the increased risk that black American mothers face, um, the internal increased mortality rates they face, we were talking about how factors like uh, diabetes and cardiovascular disease, these all have a huge effect on motherhood and safe motherhood especially. And we were talking about the diagnosis and the underdiagnosis to be specific of these diseases due to discrepancy uh, bias and discrimination within healthcare lack of access within healthcare for black americans and this underdiagnosis then is actually i think the cause for the severe maternal mortality rates right because there's a lack of diagnosis which means there's a lack of treatment of these diseases which means that when cuz pregnancy is a huge stress test for the body so when exactly. o- when this flares up so when you're not pregnant and you're you have a heart disease or you have diabetes but you're not diagnosed and treated properly when you actually do become pregnant in this very physically stressful period for your body it's gonna be multiplied the effect that this disease uh, has on you so yeah again everything is and that's one of the many reasons we see such increased maternal mortality among black american mothers all right uh thank you very very much for listening to the april episode of let's talk human rights we discussed topics of safe motherhood of abortion uh the factors this affect in almost every aspect of society and how do we just unravel these topics uh stay tuned for next month we'll be talking about mental health more information to come soon and thank you very much for listening stay educated look these topics up see how they concern you whoever you are wherever you belong to wherever you come from and let's all try and make this world a little bit better tomorrow than what it is today amen